This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. Hey everyone, today's guest is Fat Mike, bassist and lead vocalist for San Francisco punk rock legends, No Effects. Together we break down the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the decline, an 18 minute and 21 second EP released as a single song by the band in 1999. Mike wears his heart on his sleeve and lays it all out there with this epic track. The song is aged brilliantly and dare I say the lyrics are more poignant now than ever. Mike flawlessly combined his love for punk rock, the theater, musicals, and his ever so witty social commentary into one brilliant piece of music. This is truly his magnum opus, one I was honored to get the full story of. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy part one of my discussion with Fat Mike. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Mike, how are you? Uh, hello. You are our first repeat offender on the show. You're back. Yeah. And I decided I decided to go for the jugular. I'm not going to give some long-winded intro here. Everyone knows who the hell you are. And, you know, I want to get the fanboy out of the way off the top. In going back and listening to this track, I don't know how one of my favorite bands went from, you know, it's not a bad record, not trying to, you know, put it down. How you went from S&M Airlines in 1989 to 10 years later how the band, how you as a songwriter evolved into putting putting the decline together. Remember, this is before computers, before voice memos. Like, how the heck did you piece this monster together? It's incredible, Mike. Thank you. First of all, we're the most improved band. You are. It's unarguable. You know, since our first seven inches in 85 and 86. It's unreal. I remember hearing this in 99, and I was just, I was blown away. I could not believe, you know, a couple things. The song was recorded uh, in June of 99. It was released on November 23rd of 99. Uh, it was produced by Mike and Ryan Green. The trombone in the track was played uh, by an old friend, Lars from Skank and Pickle. Uh, this record was between 1997, So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes, and Pump Up the Valium in 2000. That was maybe our, maybe our best era. Even though I, I think Wolves and Wolves Clothing is our best album. I love that record. That's one of, one of my favorite records you guys have ever done. 2016, something really cool. This blew my mind, but it, it didn't surprise me. An orchestral arrangement was recorded uh, by Boz and his orchestra. And then in 2019, they joined you guys at Red Rocks to record a live version of it, which you can find it online. It's just, it's, it's incredible. It's like goosebumps galore watching that thing how how that came together I, I don't know how you put that together well thank you uh and you know that night was very special uh brian baker said to me are you done <laughs> are you done well where else do you go and and, and let me just jump in there oh like, yeah i go i go places but also what's <laughs> important is uh decline the first time i saw baz do it because i didn't know about it when he did the 50-piece orchestra uh, you know, I cried and I wish 
uh, I had relatives alive or parents to like show them. Yeah. But I was so moved by it. And then, you know, I flew him out to the U S and said, you gotta, you gotta work with me. And then we did that, which was different because it was all new parts. It wasn't just mimicking the song. It was new parts written. And also what people don't know or believe is uh, we practiced, uh, well, not together, but on our own and all guitars and drums and everything. And, and the orchestra was live. My vocals, I did some, I redid some stuff because because I, I was fucking on drugs and <laughs> and adverts, elevation, fucked with the vocals, but everything was played fucking, I can't believe how well we played that song. And, and you had some years to practice it by that point, not taking anything away from the band. But, you know, when we get into talking about this recording, again, this is before Pro Tools. It's before editing uh, voice memo on your phone, how you put this together. And I got to ask you, you know, why an 18 minute plus song? I mean, punks hated the hippies for their 20 minute jams and extended guitar solos. Even the metal bands, Maiden, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, 13 and a half minutes. And how did you think... You know, I'm going to pull this off successfully. You know, if if someone came up to me today, tomorrow, and said, you know, where do I start with no effects? Prior to me taking a deep dive into this song, I probably would have went with a bunch of different tracks or check out this album. This is your opus, man. You got to be so proud of this song. This this has everything. I think it's the best no effects piece for sure. And it took me uh, six months to write. How did you decide what was the start of the song? And how did you sit there as a song? There's so many killer parts in this tune. I'm sitting here going, how didn't he make that into a song? How didn't he make that part into a song? Well, I mean, the point is to not have any bad parts. They all have to be great and to not repeat. And I didn't, I didn't know that it was a symphony until Baz said, no, this is what it is. You don't repeat anything. And, but you bring back a couple things here and there, and that's why you can write symphonies. Why they're long, it's still interesting. Mm-hmm. And you don't get bored in this song, and it's really fun to play. And uh, it was basically, it was leftovers. But not just leftovers. Like, I thought, you probably do this too. We put down riffs and melodies, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. onto a cassette player. And then when you get enough of them, you try to make songs out of them. And the I thought all these riffs were songs, but I just said, no, I'm going to, I want to do this because the subhumans did Cradle to the Grave. That's why ours is seven, it's 18 minutes and theirs is 16 minutes. <laughs> and no disrespect to subhumans. God love them. Dick's awesome. I just, this is a different beast. And no, but back then in fucking 82. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, people do not think, that the subhumans were the biggest influence on NoFX. And they're not. They were the second biggest. It was RKL. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, RKL, I know that. RKL and subhumans. But we listened to subhumans every day, you know, all the records. They were the most 
besides RKL, the most progressive band, best lyrics and the best. So yeah, we wanted to model ourselves after Subhumans. And we used to do Subhuman songs live. We used to do rudimentary Peni songs live. That was our jam, except we weren't that good. It took us like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did the band think? when you told them I have this grandiose, ambitious idea, this, this song and a two part question. And when is enough enough? Did you just want to get past the subhumans length? Is that what it was like? No, I just cradle to the grave meant so much to us. It meant so much to me. I wanted to make a song that uh, touched people and was more than, I mean, we don't have a lot of funny songs, but more than just a good song. It was my essay on society. I've kind of went backwards in a sense. Like I didn't know as much about you when this song came out and how much you were into theater. I mean, you've always had a love for theater, Rocky Horror Picture Show, show tunes, uh, even writing your own production. Don't dream it, be it. I just, you know, I got there. You go. Yeah. You know, your, your own production, home street home. Uh, and this track, the decline is like a mini punk rock opera with a socio-political narrative. It's the song that I would send people to, to, if you want to check out no effects, this is the, one and i said it earlier this is this is your opus which i had to really i thought i knew what that meant but you know opus is a set of compositions by an artist or composer on a very large scale and in this sense is it you oh yeah that's what it's yeah yeah yeah. that's what it says and i I, I, I was thinking coda (laughs) and i learned a rock opera is different from a musical in a musical they will talk but a rock opera they will they will just have music that's why i i wrote a musical actually in home street home there's 12 minutes to go by without a song you let the drama take over. Right. Now, you right. can't really do that. You can't. I am cutting myself. You can't sing that. <laughs> this came out in 99. You said six months it took you to write it. When did you start writing it? Because I look back at your touring schedule, Mike. You, you were on the 98 Warp Tour. I was out there with you guys. You were touring. You guys were machines back then. You were on the road. Fat Records was blowing up. When did you have time? And, and how did you construct this? I tried to go by the Stephen King uh, rule of thumb, which is try to write something every day. And if you write a riff with a melody or just a cool riff, that's enough. So when you come back from a tour, you have all, all kinds of shit on your cassette player and you play them and, and it's somewhere like, Oh, I don't know if this should be a song, but decline was where I could put all my fucking riffs in in one song, just make them the same key and it was super hard to concentrate. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the ba- and the band didn't know it at all. And there was it was recorded sixteen parts. Well, okay, okay. So I broke this down into six parts. I call them each passages here, and I kind of have an idea. There were sixteen. There were sixteen. Okay. Well, I I broke it into six for myself when I when I analyzed it. But there are parts in here where I went, okay. That's a song. That's where the band stopped. They did a crossfade here, and here's where the next piece started. So the band has to be sitting there going, what is this mad scientist cooking up? Because you, there was no 18-minute demo for them to look at or to listen to. I don't want to diss my band, but it was more of a me and smelly thing. And it Hefe played uh, a lead on it. But uh, you can't teach a band an 18-minute song as complicated as Decline. It's, it's a waste of time. When we started doing it live, which we never thought we'd ever do it live, everybody learned it. And it was so cool because the first time we ever played the song together, we kind of nailed it. And when was that? 
Do you remember like r- roughly what year? Maybe 2008, 2010, 2006. It was way after the record came out. We didn't want to do it. And then it was just like, let's, let's do it. It'll be challenging. And it's so fun to play. I bet it is. One of the best times I ever saw you play it was just because of the fact that Dallas? this is why I love Dallas. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And this is, and this is why I love your band because you were hammered and you're just like, out of nowhere, let's play a decline. And if you could see the look on Smelly's face, okay. He wanted to kill you. Well, and you guys, Kevin Lyman said show's over because there was a storm. <laughs> yeah. Kevin yeah. Said, you have one more song. And I said, we're doing decline. <laughs> We've already played 28 minutes. Now we're going to play an 18-minute song when our, <laughs> our, our, our set's over in two minutes. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Well, Punk rock is it's absurdity, and I live an absurd life. And mm-hmm. Every time I go out anywhere, I self-deprecate to make someone laugh. Where's the scabies shampoo? Oh, you don't have that? What about the crab shampoo? Do you have any adult diapers? You know, and... I love making people laugh and and brightening up people's days. Well, you you certainly do both. And, uh, you know, the thing about this track, again, it's, for me, where do you begin? Like like you said, you had these riffs, and, and where did you just say, hey, this is how I want to start the song? Because I just, the, how this thing opens and where it goes, it takes you on an 18-minute ride. It does not get boring. And... I guess where I'm at with it is looking back before I could analyze this on a computer, on a grid, and look at how I look at songs like now, you guys went to tape with this. This wasn't pro-tooled and like fixed, am no, I no, correct? No. Yeah, no pro-tool. Yeah, this was all to tape. So like uh, this had to be, I'm just, I'm dumbfounded at how you put it together, number one. Number two, you do not give yourself credit for the bass player you are, for the parts that you come up with. There's bass playing on this that's just, it rivals anybody that i i listen to in in, in the genre well, and outside of the genre it's the fantastic is, it's funny because bass player magazine did uh, a piece on me how to play this bass riff and they said you do it with your fingers i'm like you could have called me and asked how you actually play it you know and no i think there's so many great bass players but i think that one riff before uh the christians love their guns mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah i invented that style that that triplet of upstruck of upstruck mm-hmm. that's it's it's like a circle you know it's 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 difficult to play it's because i wasn't taught bass and i use upstrucks the Christians love their guns. but thank you for the compliment I really tried to uh, to play some bass lines that are fucking killer. I know you did. And here I am again. You mentioned it a little bit ago, you know, from 85, 86, your first seven inches, the maximum rock and roll comp you were on, some of those songs to liberal animation and SM Airlines to where you went. I mean, guys like you in 86, it was a dime a dozen in punk rock bands, out of tune, out of time, sarcastic, snotty, the the, the vocals. It, yeah, it, we had to be sarcastic and snotty because we were so mediocre. Right. It's and just mediocre it's is just, a compliment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but where the band, and I know Hefe was a big component. I know he was. He was. He's a great singer, and I know when he came in on White Trash to Hebes that the band was elevated. But you in particular, as a writer, I mean, this song, 
Okay, there's every influence that I've ever heard you mention. I hear 70s soft rock. I hear the Beatles in here. I hear Maiden. I hear. I even hear Tool, the bass playing style of Manilow. Tool in one part. Ma- and Manilow. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Barry Manilow, yes. There's <laughs> a little Barry Manilow in there. It's all here. The song is 18 minutes and 21 seconds. And Mike, uh, from the from the start here to three minutes and eight seconds, I'm calling this passage one. There's like this backward swell. It's not a symbol. What was oh, that? That, was, that was all Ryan Green he produced that the shit out of that. He did a great job on this album. But the lyrics for first passage, Amber Waves of Grain, you know, which comes from uh, what America the Beautiful or some some shit like that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. where I was coming from. Like in America, it's unbelievable 
how uneducated Americans are. It's just unbelievable. And that's where I wanted to start because the whole song is about how uh, ignorant and uncaring Americans are. I feel like you could have wrote this today and it would have just as much or more meaning and significance than it did in 99. Reading through these lyrics, it's like, wow, this is all still happening. And in, in, in 99, we had Clinton and the standard of living in this country was great. Things were going very well. And I didn't really know what to write about. And I was, and the prison system is where I went. It, it was especially when uh, Robert Downey Jr. got convicted and went to jail because he was doing drugs in his hotel room by himself. That just destroyed me. Like, you're not allowed to do drugs by yourself. You're not hurting anyone. And uh, a judge can decide to put you in jail for six months. And you know how our prison system, we have more criminals in the prisons. It's just, it's just money. And sure. I'm getting off the song for a second, but you know, yeah, no. Warren Drugs started in 1932 uh, by this guy, Harry Aslinger, who worked the DEA. And once prohibition was done, he made heroin and cocaine illegal. And they arrested 20,000 doctors in one day. And the doctors, okay, we won't prescribe heroin for World War One vets who need it. And they're junkies, they all have jobs, but they just decide, America decided that. And then we made every other country in the world make drugs illegal. And the prison system, it just goes after uh, black people. It's developed to imprison black people. That's where the song starts as, and Christians who love their guns. A little ironic. Let's get into these lyrics. Uh, the intro, again, it's that backward swell into two bars of a hi-hat. On the third bar, man, you come in with this distorted bass tone. It's just killer. And then when the band kicks in, uh, panned off right as a vocal, it almost sounds like Melvin saying, fuck no. What's he saying there? That's based on Bad Religion from Suffer when they say, sit cow, sit cow. Sit cow. <laughs> I always thought that Greg was saying sick cow there. Yeah, okay. Um, band rocks out for about eight and a half, nine bars. It's strange. It comes in fucking tight as fuck. Oh, insanely tight. Insanely tight. And then after those uh, eight and a half, like nine bars, it's hard to count with those odd time signatures that Smelly's thrown in there. But then the vocals come in. Where are all the stupid people from and how'd they get to be so dumb? Harmony on be so dumb. Bread on purple mountain range. Feed amber waves of grains to lesser human beings. To lesser human beings, which is animals. Ah, okay. Okay. And this is the classic, uh, they call it the forbidden beat, the fast punk rock beat happening here. Then it's followed by a 12 bar instrumental section with a loud octave panned off left. And on bar nine, Melvin again, blame it on, he says. And then the next section is human nature, man's destiny. Blame it on human nature. Yeah. Blame it on human nature, man's destiny. Blame it on the greedyocracy, fear of God, the fear of change, the fear of truth. And we got Hefe on some backing vocals there, uh, Man's Destiny and Greedyocracy. I love how it goes back between Hefe and Melvin in the song. It's all over the place. Uh, yeah, you're mistaken. You know who did all the backups was Spike. Oh, that's not Hefe. I am mistaken. Well, I'll be damned. Hefe uh, does sing on this song, but uh, all the harmonies are me, Spike, and Melvin. Mike was incredible on this album. 
Well, he is the hands down the best karaoke singer I've ever heard in my life, <laughs> bar bar none. It 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 uh, isn't surprising he fronts me first in the gimme gimmies. Um, <laughs> the the next section uh, add the bill of rights, subtract the wrongs. There's no answers. Memorize and sing Star Spangled songs. Wins the questions aren't ever asked. Is anybody learning from the past? And the questions aren't ever asked. Yeah, yeah. we're living in united stagnation. And we go back to that fast punk rock beat there uh, for a 12-bar instrumental part, drums, bass, stereo, guitars, before the next section. And, you know, up to this point, is everything played? You haven't uh, you haven't had to do any splicing yet. I don't remember. Uh, it was 16 parts. And, and Smelly likes to record that way. He likes to fucking nail something and say, Jason, fix it. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't that easy to fix stuff back then when you were going to tape. No, no, no. There was there were no pro tools. Yeah. It was just get the part down and then keep playing. Like get the part and keep playing. And then the part before, start from the ending and then go into the next part. And then it splices easy. Well, so you're telling me all these harmonies I'm hearing is all spike. I don't like anyone to do all our harmonies. It's like I want to mix in me or Melvin or Hefe. So got some different textures and layers. Right. Okay. Father, what have I done? I took that 22, a gift to me from you, to bed with me each night, kept it clean, polished it well, cherished every cartridge, every shell. Down by the creek, under brush, under dirt, there's a carcass of my second kill. That line's awesome. Down by the park, under stone, under pine, there's a carcass of my brother, William. What is that in reference to? Well, it's about this kid who killed an animal and we all have an experience of when we hurt an animal or an insect and went and went, Oh, like, Oh God, what have I done? Yeah. And there's a few sociopaths that are like, Ooh, that was fun. But <laughs> me personally, I threw at summer camp when I was like nine, I threw a rock into a bunch of pigeons and I hit a pigeon in the head and killed it. And I felt so terrible. So he killed an animal and he ended up killing his brother because of guns are fun in this country and they're romanticized too you know like here's your son here's your first gun here's your bullets you fucking sick fuck hey everybody don't go anywhere we got lots more coming up with fat mike after a few words from our sponsors looking to elevate your music career DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with a Spotify Canvas generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. 
Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. And now, back to the show. The uh, line, there's a carcass of my second killer. It's a great pulled back Tom fill. It only happens once in the 18 minutes. It's just locked. It's so good. Second kill. Down by the park. By the stone. And then there's these really great woe-o's with harmonies on the last two lines, the Brother William line. And there's harmonies on the lead vocal, too. That whole part. Are some of the best harmonies on the song. It, it, it's symphonic. It's beautiful. And that was some real singing there. Again, there was no touch in this up in auto-tune. That's why we got Spike. <laughs> <laughs> he, def- he, he definitely helped. On So Long and Thanks to All the Shoes, we got Nate from the Boston's. You know, because if we're going to play... Ska well. Yeah, he played a lot of angst. Yeah, yeah. And and uh and 180 degrees. You were always very open about that. You know, I remember having arguments with people like, like I heard Melvin didn't play that. Like, yeah, Nate did. Like, why? I'm like, because Nate's killer. <laughs> Yeah. Still can't pull off that shit. Yeah. You know? We're still going to have John Graber play our Scott parts on this last tour. Yeah. Why not? Uh, the last lyrics here uh, in passage one, I'm calling it. Brother, where have you gone to? I swear I never thought I could. I see so many times they told me to shoot straight. Don't pull the trigger. Squeeze. That will ensure a kill. A kill is what you want. A kill is why we breed. There's some great band dynamics uh, hits here as we transition to what I'm calling the next passage. And uh, anything there you'd like to comment on those those lyrics I just read? Yeah, you shoot to kill in this country. Uh, and cops shoot five times to kill. There's no, you don't have to go to court. I know you definitely don't remember. It's been 20 three 24 years but i would be interested to see to go back and figure out where the 16 pieces were and like i said i i tried uh you know for the listeners to try to make this a little you know easier and for those following along at home uh from three minutes and nine seconds to the five minute and 28 second part in the song that's what we're gonna we're gonna touch on here and this part's killer Story books been read, and every line believed. 
First part of this is eight bars of a killer bass lick. I'm, it, it harkens back to Iron Maiden, this part, you know. And uh, by the way, Eddie, Bruce, and Paul, you got to play it for me on the Punk and Drum Lick. One of my, <laughs> one of my favorite no effects songs. And nobody ever gives it any love. Nobody the gives ending, it. It's so cool. It's, the ending is so cool. You talk about Samson. Like, that was Bruce's first band. Like, I get it. Yeah. I get the joke. Put that. Put that. It's so rad. It's so good. But this is the first. Well, they fucked up when they got rid of Paul. Yeah, yeah. This is the first time that I was really like, okay, Mike's just not a punker. I mean, you can just who's playing bass like that? This this was like, my God, it's like Steve Harris on on Speed. You know, um, I met him and he's just cool dude. Yeah. Um, the, the the kick drum is here at the top. The band comes in halfway through, and there's an octave uh, guitar off right for the second half. It's the fast punk beat here with a closed hi hat. It's the other thing here, Mike. The dynamics. Yeah, this beat's just as fast as maybe the la- the, the other part we we came out of, but. The hi-hat's closed now. It's not open. It's very tight on this next section. This is the Christians love their guns. The church and NRA. Pray for their salvations. Pray on the lower face. That harmony on NRA, is it's awesome. Their guns, the church and NRA. The lower faiths, the ones who believe in a different God. Mm-hmm. Sorry to tell you people, but they're all made up characters, you fucking morons. <laughs> The storybook's been read and every line believed. That's the Bible, by by the way. Yeah. Curriculum's been set. Logic is a threat. Reason searched and seized. Logic is a threat. That that says it all. Oh, these are alternative facts. And logic, like, when did logic become a fucking crime? (laughs) It's It's so ridiculous. As you're sitting here explaining the lyrics to me, I'm still trying to wrap my head around, like, how did you put him in the order you put him in? You know, I don't even know if you can answer that. I'm just sitting here going, why Why wasn't this the last verse? Why was this here? I take songwriting so seriously, and I spent hours and hours and hours figuring it out. It's a fucking crossword puzzle. It really is. And this part, Mike, where you go, the storybook's been read, the whole progression and bass lick changes. It's up a whole step for this part. It's so neat. The storybook's been read, and every line believed. Called the modulation, Chris. Right. How'd you you know that? Manilow, because Barry Manilow. There you go. Manilow and Neil Diamond were the half-step kings, but we're up a whole step in this one. Good point. Nice catch. Yep. (laughs) This part is really cool. After Reason Search and Sees, the band stops completely, and we get into what I'm calling the 16 bars of the Beatles part. It's such a cool relief in the song, Mike. Hi-hat, toms, snare drum with no snare, it sounds like here. I like that progression, too. It's like... E to E seventh to A to A minor, something like that. It's awesome. 
awesome. And, and what's going on with the guitar and the, and the tremolo there, uh, it's so cool. It's like distorted, but it, but it's sparkly. It's followed by eight bars of the fast beat again. Bass, guitar panned left, not stereo guitars, and an octave guitar pan right to set up for the next verse, which is the Jerry part you were speaking of a moment ago. Jerry spent some time in Michigan, a 20-year vacation. After all, he had a dime. A dime is worth a lot more in Detroit. A dime in California, a $20 fine. That's obvious enough, right? It's it's, it's extremely obvious. Yeah, I don't have to ask you, but it's... Dude, Ron from uh, the Stooges, he did two years in prison for having a joint. Like, you people are insane. Yeah, I love the line, first line here, Jerry spends the time in Michigan. It's like this filtered process vocal. The band sounds small, and then it opens up on... On, on the two and the four, but on uh, three, a dime is worth a lot more in Detroit on that third line. It's that process vocal. Again, those dynamics, it's going back and forth. Was some of that stuff done in the mix, Mike, or did you record it like that? No, that was all, uh, that was Ryan's idea. It's killer. Uh, another eight bar musical section follows uh, the same part before the vocals uh, start, the Jerry part, that same eight bar fast beat uh, with the octave thing comes in. And then uh, it flip flops again here between the processed and the non-processed. Jerry only stayed a couple months. It's hard to enjoy yourself while bleeding out the ass. Asphyxiation is simple and fast. It beats 17 fun years of being someone's bitch. I, again, I, I think I know what you're talking about there. Yeah, what would you do? You may want to kill yourself. And this next part is, man, it, this is Goosebumps Central. Don't think, stay, drink your wine. That's the best part of the song, Chris. The, the harmonies and everything. Unreal. Unreal. Don't think. You get the holdout, killer harmonies on stay, home, be, safe, on all of those uh, call and responses there. So don't think, stay, drink your wine, home, watch the fire burn, be, his problem's not mine. And man, Mike, on mine, I'm assuming that's Spike going, my yine. He, he cracked, but I wanted to keep it. It's awesome. It's, it's, I didn't get it. I go, it's perfect. It is so perfect. I never would have thought that his voice cracked there, but at the same time, I don't think he could emulate that if he tried. It's so high. It's so fucking high, that note. But what, what are the four words? Stay home, be, and safe. Stay home, be safe. So it doesn't have to be the other, but it's just stay home, be safe. No, and that, that play on words within the lyrics, those little things. Some people have that knack to, to do those play on words. Sometimes when people do that kind of stuff, like you just illustrated there, it comes off phony, it comes off cheap, it comes off cheesy, and it just doesn't do that here. I, I do not drop the world on Heavy Petting Zoo. I, I, I sing a whole different subject on, about Dana, our friend who died in a car accident. Like in between parts, I sing about her. Total different subject. I'm so, I'm so stoked that, that you pay this much attention to the song, Chris. It's just like... Uh, it makes me gives warm feeling. 
Well, I'm stoked that you want to talk about it. You don't know sometimes, especially with an 18-minute track, this is a lot recovering, and I appreciate you appreciating me doing it because, man, I, I, I'm telling you, I've been walking pins and needles the last three days. I've been so, like, just like I, I have to remember everything because there's so much here. The other thing about this part, Mike, is the octave guitar is doing a call and response to those holdout the stay those vocals are it's badass man that is so good that's the end of what i'm calling passage two again for the listeners that are playing along at home the next section's five minutes and 29 seconds to eight minutes and 18 seconds there's a 16 bar intro here the first eight bars, it's this killer guitar riff and sporadic hits from the band. Then it's eight bars of drums, bass, stereo guitars, super fast punk. And Melvin here on the 11th bar of this 16 bars, he screams, Araye? <laughs> That's what I wrote down. Araye!
Hoo-wah. <laughs> he's he's saying hoo-wah. Perfect. <laughs> he does a lot of that. This is when we started the mail yell, I think. Yeah. We just yell something because it adds energy. Now, and he, you know, he doesn't get talked about too much for what he contributes vocally. It's definitely not what Hefe does, but that's not what it's supposed to be. No, no, no. Melvin, his voice is amazing. It's great. I, I really think he's up there with like uh, an Ian McKay or uh, Jason Hall, Western Addiction. He's got a, perf- a perfect yelling voice because he yells in pitch really well yeah and that's not easy to do the real secret is back in the old days people bands would play a show once every two weeks or once every month and they could throw out their voice all they wanted to and that's why it sounded so fucking good (laughs) if you go on tour you can't do it anymore well i can't do that song can't sing that song you know what I'm talking about, Chris. Yeah, I, yeah, you're, you're speaking to the choir on that one. Well, again, you know, there's not many themes here, Mike, that happen again. Okay, when we get to the trombone hook, that's that happens yeah. three times. But um, I'm calling it the Beatles part. The Beatles part comes in again here from earlier. Um, yeah, yeah. I, now, I believe this is Hefe on lead vocals yes. here. Okay, okay. Uh, and it sounds like you and Hefe are on the backup vocals, but I'm going to guess that's you and, you and Spike. I don't know. Okay. I know I did it. Well, the lyric is, I wish I had a shilling. And the backing vocal is for each senseless killing. And then every for, senseless yeah, for every senseless killing, I'd buy a government America's for sale and you can get a good deal on it. A good deal on it is that that uh, held out a harmony again and make a healthy profit. The next part, again, the production goes really sparse here. It's just drums and one guitar panned off left or maybe tear it apart. Start with assumption. The next two lines, the big stereo guitars come back in that a million people are smart, smarter than one. Where does that come from? My political science class in college. I have a degree. Sure, of course I have a degree. I'm Jewish. But the, the, <laughs> the professor said, fucking kids, you get a vote, fine. And I only get one vote. I've been studying fucking politics my whole life. I should get 250 votes. It's not fair that educated people only get one vote. I mean, you should, you can't base voting on race or faith well maybe on faith because fucking christians shouldn't get a fucking vote uh but but, uh who's smarter a million people or one i say one when gorbachev became president of russia and changed everything and wrote perestroika you know what they needed someone to say fuck fuck all y'all we're gonna change shit because our country is dying and ralph nader people voted against him but He's looking out for the, well, actually, fuck Ralph Nader, because he did not give up his votes to Gore. But mob mentality is not smarter. Just like art by art by committee, music by committee. Hey, all five members are going to write songs in this band. Okay, well, you're never going to be popular then. (laughs) 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 Too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. Yeah. Your band, Listen Jake, actually has... A lot of good songwriters. We try, we try, but I, but your point, but well taken. Sometimes it's like, dude, this is your song. Make the demo of it. I, you have a vision for it. Just, just do it. Like I'm gonna muck it up. Yeah. When, when, when someone it was like, oh, well, let's try this and let's try this, and I, and this part would work good there. It's terrible. It's, uh, it's when your band breaks up. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot of, of weight to that. Like Jr. Man, Jr. written some good songs for Lesson J. He has. He's he's uh, he's the ace up our sleeve. I've always said that he is so good. I mean, you have you, you have Roger, you have Vinny. Well, you had Vinny, Jr. Yeah, it's not lost on me, man. Like, but at the same time, I I what I said is so true. Sometimes it's just too many cooks. This part, uh, Mike, is followed by that 16 bar trombone hook and. This trombone hook, man. I, I was trying to think of the of the right words to describe. It. It's morose, but it's it's triumphant at the same time. Oh, that, that's a really good. That's awesome what you just said. It's triumphant, but it's sad. It really is. And uh, this hook goes with the bass, drums, and stereo guitars. Uh, the bass line again here. I, I have it in my notes. Bass line here is absolutely killer around bar seven there's a cool bell of the ride symbol dig 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 overdub that happens it's kind of a theme it's kind of a theme that happens later i played that did you i played it while he was playing drums it sounds urgent it sound it's awesome i got that from a band called the offenders from texas a hardcore band and the drummer did that and it always stuck with me it's so cool and it and again it's one of those things where you can hear it's an overdub but but it's great uh this part is followed by a musical interlude with drums bass stereo guitars an octave guitar pan right and an awesome blown out what is this guitar that comes in here is it a baritone guitar I know what you're talking about. That's uh, bass. That's bass. That's bass chords. What did you run that through? I mean, I, I typically don't get into gear here too much on the show, but like, what? I don't know. We, we, I think it was a rat. It sounds massive and it almost sounds out of time. Was that on purpose? No, it wasn't. But I, I switched from minor to major halfway through, which is a weird thing. Yeah. There's something in there. It's just, it, it's, uh, it's very odd and strange, but so cool. That bass doing those chords is killer. And then we get into the next part uh, and, and the bass and filtered vocal only. Uh, the bass sounds really muffled here, almost like it's EQ'd flat. And the lyric is serotonin's gone. She gave up, drifted away. Sarah fled, thought process gone. She left her answering machine on. The greeting left spoken sincere. Messages no one will ever hear. Who's Sarah? It's someone getting shot in the head at a protest. And ser your serotonin, you're shot in the head, serotonin's gone. Oh my gosh. Uh, your thought process is gone because you're dead. And the message left was the sign they were holding. Okay, okay. Well, this part has a closed hi-hat. Drums are almost doing kind of like a, what I would call a shuffle beat, kind of. And, and you guys have implemented this feel in other songs. I, I love when Smelly goes to that beat. Ten thousand messages a day, a million more transmissions lay. Victims of the laissez-faire, ten thousand voices, a hundred guns, a hundred decibels turns to one, one bullet, one empty head. Now with serotonin gone. Now I explain the story more. Ten thousand voices, you know, a hundred guns, a hundred fucking cops, and all the messages, you know, one shot, 
serotonin's gone. You know, if you ever done this, if you ever, and I'll, I'll do it sometimes, especially now, you know, because Google's your friend. You're just like, oh, I want to know what the lyrics to whatever song was. And, you know, I've heard this song hundreds of times, and I, I, I never got that. Sarah's fled and Sarah's gone. I don't know. Like, that just hit me, the, the way you laid that out. That's heavy. Yeah, the song's fucking heavy and direct but poetic. Have you ever, as a songwriter, and, and I don't want to stray too far here, we're going to get back into the song here, but have you ever looked out, I know Propagandi, I've heard, I've heard Chris talk about this in interviews where, you know, you'll, you'll just see like these dudes going crazy in the pit and, and they're, they're not hearing what you're saying lyrically, they're just there for the music. Does that bother you as the kind of writer you are with your lyrics and how you want it to speak to people? Uh, not that people don't, people are there for, because they like the songs. And people are never going to understand my lyrics. Uh, I have worked on a book a little bit. I'm too busy right now at the Punk Rock Museum. But uh, I'm working on a book of 100 songs and what they're about. And NoFX fans will enjoy this book. You know, like what, like I wrote two pages on what Dying Degree is about. Like USA Hills, people have no idea what that's about. And they don't know what my songs are about. That's great. And I, I know people will. Or being uh, artists. Yeah. You can't be direct. People will flock to get that book. Well, after the serotonin's gone part, you get a gone that's screamed. I believe that's Melvin. And then it's four bars of music with no vocals. And then we get into passage four. Hey, everybody. That's the end of part one. But we'll be back next week with part two of our dive into the decline with Fat Mike. Coming next week in part two with Fat Mike. We entertain people. We pretend to be happy. This is great. And we bring pleasure to people. What a great profession. Bring pleasure to lonely people or unhappy people. That's what we do as in a band. We bring pleasure to people. And and we don't always want to go on stage, do we, Chris? No. We feel like shit, but I'm going to go on stage to make these people happy. We're all fucking whores. It's just how it is. I ruined my body by, you know, doing drugs and alcohol just to get on stage because I don't feel like it anymore. And judging people, I fucking, I can't fucking stand it. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. 
Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.